0: Who's been enjoying the new series, Forget Not? Such a good series, and it comes out of Psalm 103. It says, forget not the Lord and all His benefits, who forgives your sins and heals your sicknesses. And such a powerful passage. And I remember this week just beginning to stew over some things and um, reading through some different texts, and there was a text that stood out to me in James chapter 1, and As I was beginning to think about this season, how many know that Christmas season's an awesome season? Holiday season's an awesome season. Anyone looking forward to this next couple of weeks and getting some time off, some time away? But how many know sometimes good seasons are dangerous seasons? And there are things that come along in seasons that can oftentimes become distracting. And as we approach this season, I hope that we can approach this season with a first and foremost desire to still carry Christ through Christmas that there would still be something about us that would walk out our faith amongst the parties, amongst the Christmas dues, amongst the family get-togethers, amongst the time off, that there would still be something in us that wants to please God, to still walk in His ways through this season. And I was reminded of a chapter, a verse in James chapter 1, verse 22. It says this, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Instead, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone that looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that brings freedom and continues in it, forgetting not what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. How many know that's a challenging word, but it's also an encouraging word? Because God is saying, if you forget not my words, if you forget not to live right, I will bless you. I will be with you. I will go with you. But how many know righteousness is a choice? And I remember reading a text. Does anyone remember DC Talk? Come on, any old school Christians in the house that grew up on DC Talk? I loved DC Talk growing up. And there was a song called In the Light and I remember that song It was powerful, but there was a scripture that was read before that song. I'm sure it was that song. Not a scripture, but a quote that was read out. And I remember this quote shaping, in a sense, my teenage years and challenging me. And I hope it does the same for you. And the quote simply says this. It says, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips And walk out the door, but deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And I read that quote and I remember feeling challenged to my core Lord, let me be a Bible that people read and see you. Let me live a life that honors you, that people see the way I live and turn to you, they don't run. And I began to get in my spirit almost like a A somberness in my spirit that, you know what? There's a whole lot of responsibility on us as believers to walk this thing out. To live right, to not forget what we're called to do. And the boys were around the other night and they were talking about this new app, this social media app that many of you have heard about. And it's called Be Real. Come on, anyone got that app? Admit it. Put your hand up. Come on. All right, His hands going up. Be honest. And this app is awesome because it's really going away with this whole idea of presenting this falsehood or this filtered reality. And what it does is it comes up with a reminder and says, it's time to be real. And they ask you to take a photo right where you are. And that photo is of what's in front of you. And there's also an internal camera. And it takes a photo of you right there, unfiltered, as you are. And it's such an awesome app. And I love that thought. And I began to think, you know what? It's really time that as the church, we became the real thing. And I want to preach a message tonight called, It's Time to Be Real. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, It's Time to Be Real. And I might be starting a little somber tonight, but I want us to walk into this season blessed. Come on, anyone want to be blessed in the house? And I want to preach a message called, Be Real, to be genuine, the authentic thing, that people would see our lives and go, There's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. What is it about them? I need it. I want it. So I want to preach Be Real. Romans 12, 9 to 10 in the message translation says It says, Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to what is good. I thought what a powerful text. It says, Let love come from who you really are. Let's not fake this thing. He goes, Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. And the truth is, I felt in my spirit tonight that it's time over this Christmas season that we see a harvest of revival. And I believe that we can see souls saved at Christmas. How many know we want to put the Christ in Christmas again? They've tried to put an X in the way of Christ, but we're bringing Christ back. Can I say Christ changes lives? Christ transforms lives. And this Christmas I'm believing for good things. So I want to look firstly at real DNA. Real DNA. There's a story. I remember I lived in South Africa for six years. And when I was over there, this story hit the news and the headlines in a really big way. And what had happened was this famous musician had died. He'd passed away. They'd done the funeral. And three years later, a guy that looked identical walks into the town and pretends to be him. He says, no, I never died. I got lost. I got kidnapped by some witch doctors. They've been holding me captive for three years and I'm finally free. And he marched into this town, and what was crazy is he looked so similar that as he walked in, even family members believed him. In fact, I think there's a picture. This is the guy living his best life. And he walks in. He's this famous musician. He begins to walk. He's living in the same house. He's eating five star. He's flying around doing performances, and everyone's bought into this, even ex-wives. But there was one ex-lover that was like, there's no way this is the real guy. I know for a fact this isn't him. And she pressed it and pressed it. And finally the police arrested him and said, we're going to do a DNA test. How many know DNA doesn't lie? They did a DNA test. And of course, this guy came through as an imposter and was immediately jailed and fined. But I began to read this story. And how many know that when we get saved, we come in with all kinds of issues? Come on. When we get saved, we come in with issues. We come in, we do, do, we're just imperfect people. In fact, now that you're saved, you still have a couple of issues. That's good news, right? We're all the same. God came for all of us. But how many know when we got saved, we became born again? And to be born again literally means to be spiritually born, that we are born again. And the Bible says we're born again into the family of God. And how many know when you're born, you're born with DNA? Can I say that when you have been born again and set free by God, you have now inherited spiritual DNA, that you now hold the imprint of God in your life. First John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has brought on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7 says, Now we are no longer slaves, but God's own sons. And since we are his sons, everything he has belongs to us, just like God planned. Now, how many know when you are born, you can't help but look a little bit like your parents? Now, people say, I look like my mom, and when I look at my dad, I thank Jesus. Right. The truth is we all take on the nature, the personality and the image sometimes of our parents. There are things that I do that are inherently like my dad. There are things I inherently do which are just like my mum. My dad's a perfectionist. He's all about things being perfect and I have that nature. But my mom is a purist who just wants to do right and I have that nature, the benefits. But I also have my dad's temper and I've gotta constantly be wrestling with this inheritance. But can I say, when we get saved and born again, something changes on the inside. We get a new heart, the Bible says. And now we should be beginning to see His image in our life, His habits in our life, His nature in our life, His personality working through us, that we take on the very nature of God. And when you are adopted into the family of God, how many know your behavior changes? How many know we're called to be different? And I'm preaching tonight, but I'm going somewhere, believe me. We're called to be different. Your behavior changes. Your thoughts should change. Your lifestyle changes. Your priorities change. And over time, your whole identity changes. That old things pass away, the Bible says, behold what? All things become new. That we are called and made in His image. And when we're born again, our life now should reflect that new image. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, He is a new creation. old things pass away. All things become new. But can I say this? Genuine repentance is always followed by genuine change. When you get the real thing, when you really get saved, there is a natural change that happens. Your desires change. How many know that we woke up one day unsaved, and then when we got saved, all of a sudden, I remember the day I got saved. I went to work the next day, something happened, and I went to swear, and the first thing was like, oh, you don't do that anymore. And I felt this conviction in my spirit, like, hey, you don't do that. You're different now. And all of a sudden, my priorities, my passions, my conscience changed, that my lifestyle was now changing. And Ephesians 4.22 says this, Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's filthy through and through. Get rid of it. Take on a whole new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself out into your behavior. God reproducing His character in you. How many know that is the call of every genuine believer? And we sing, you are holy, and I'm wholly devoted to you. But can I say, this is the outworking of that. That there is something in our spirit that says, I must live holy. Can I say holiness still matters? Purity still matters. Integrity still matters. And we might move into a grace era, and I thank God for the grace, but can it never become an excuse? Can it always be something that humbles us, something we're grateful for, but not something that we leverage and take advantage of? I know that God's forgiven me. I know heaven's my home, but I do want to live like it too. I do want to represent God well too. I want to take some people with me. I don't just want this thing to be about me and what I can get away with. I want to know what can I do for Jesus. Our main text, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. Forgetting not what you've heard, But doing it, you will be blessed in what you do. And one of the challenges we face in the modern Christian world, and I'm just going to go there for a minute, is a challenge not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk. Not just to wear the colors, but to actually play the part. There's a fascinating story. There's a guy who is now known as one of the greatest photo bombers of all time. This guy is a legend. His name's Carl Power. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's a Manchester United fan. Already we've got a problem. And this guy was like, he was sitting in a pub one day with his friend and they came up with this idea. You know what you need to do, bro? You need to get a photo with a team on the stadium. And he's like, nah, we couldn't do that. That's impossible. But This guy was so clever, they planned it. So he pretended that he was one of the camera crew. And he dressed up in a tracksuit, walked down there. But what he didn't realize is that underneath the tracksuit was the full Manchester United kit. And here they are on a Champions League game, which is the biggest stage outside of the World Cup. It's Bayern Munich versus Manchester United. And he runs out onto the field. And right there on the far left. He stands on the photo to millions of people watching around the world. The greatest imposter of all time. And there he is standing there proud as if he's a Manchester United player. And in fact, you can see Roy Keane going, who the hell is that? But no one picked it up. And in fact, they were so disappointed because at the time no one picked it up. But my second point tonight is real, recognize real because there was a supporter who was like, hang on a second, I don't recognize that guy. And he went home, began to Google and in the end what he did is he called the news station and says, I don't know if you guys realize but there's a guy there that has nothing to do with our club, standing in the middle of the stadium on one of your biggest stages and can I say, they found him, they find him, they banned him, the whole lot. But real recognize real. He was wearing the shirt but he wasn't the real thing. And this guy was so famous that he went on to do the same thing the next year. He dressed up in an England cricket shirt. He walked out onto the ashes with the bat in hand and walked up as if he was about to bat. And no one recognized until he thought he'd be funny and he took his helmet off and answered the phone in the middle of the pitch. And suddenly the cameras realized and saw him and obviously escorted him out. The next year he went to the F1. Wild, walked up onto the winner's podium celebrating as if he was part of Ferrari. The next year he walked out onto the main stage at Wimbledon and began to warm up one of the pros as if he was one of the professionals. Can I say, in my humble opinion, he's a legend. But how many know, while that's hilarious and we would call him a legend, It becomes less funny when someone shares a photo on social media and a mutual friend finds someone there in the photo and goes, hang on a second, that guy, is he a Christian? That guy was up in the club last night doing all kinds of crazy at 2 p.m. Maybe 2 a.m., that's probably more like it. Don't know where you are at 2 p.m. (laughs) But how many know that's the photo you don't want to be caught on? That guy's a Christian, man. He was sliding into my DMs last night and he was talking all kinds of trash. See, what's the problem is we wear the shirt sometimes, but are we the real deal? And it's so easy to wear the colors, but that doesn't automatically mean that we live right. Can I say, testimony is so important. People are watching our lives and we can't win the world if we live just like them. Come on, have I got a youth that don't just want to wear the colors but want to be the real thing? Come on. Is there some people in here that say, I want to be real. I want to be the real thing. I want to live for Jesus. Represent him. Do the real thing. Be integrity. I got a close friend I grew up with. His parents were pastors and my parents were pastors. In fact, his parents were the assistants at our church. And I'm not going to lie, we grew up pretty poor. We didn't have a whole lot. And um, pastor's kids back then, and we had a small church, and it definitely wasn't paying big money, and mom took a part-time job, and they had six kids. We had three, so they really did it tough. And uh, we grew up without a whole lot, but for some reason, this guy always turned up to school wearing the coolest gear. Like, this guy always had the greatest gears on, and I was like, man, I know for a fact you can't afford this. He'd be like 13, 14, and back then surf brands were cool. So he's rocking like the latest Billabong. He's rocking the latest Quicksilver. And like all of us were like legitly upset DC and Globe and all these brands that now are kind of gone out a little, although Globe's making a resurgence. but And I remember one day he turned up, and I was so jealous because he rocked up in these Quicksilver cargos. And I remember going, man, they're legit. Like they are so cool. I was so jealous, and I was like, man, I'm sure this guy's stealing, eh? And I went through school just a little jaded about this kid. Like, man, he was always cooler. He got more attention. He was always wearing cool gear. It was years later, years later, I found out that his mom was pretty handy with an old needle and was cutting the logos off the dad's clothes and stitching them onto Kmart clothes so that the son could go to school and be cool. Now, let me just say, she's a genius because it worked. But how many know the Bible says you reap what you sow? Don't be mocked, the Bible says. Don't be mocked, what you reap or what you sow, you shall surely reap. Can I say, it's one thing to stitch something on the outside, but it doesn't mean there's been a change on the inside. And whilst it might have looked like Quicksilver on the outside, the quality was came up. And they didn't last because the fake things don't last. Only real things last. Here's the problem, though, is the real thing costs something. How many know it costs more for the legit thing? You can get fakes anywhere and they're cheap, but the real thing costs something. Can I say, if you're going to make it for Jesus, if you're going to have the real thing, it might cost you a little bit too. That there are some things that you need to purchase. I, every September I go on a surf trip to Bali and I go with a couple of friends and we travel the whole coast basically of Indonesia and we surf the whole way down. It's awesome. I love it. And every time we go, we just have an unbelievable time. But we always leave room on the last day to go into Seminyak, which is the shopping area. And it's just full of cheap gears. It's fake. Everything's fake. It's It's awesome. And you walk in, it's fake Nikes, it's fake Adidas, it's fake Bullabong, it's fake everything, right? And I remember walking in and I found this shop with all of these Nikes. And they were all back then. Do you remember Roshis? They were like the coolest shoe maybe like seven, eight years ago. And these Nike Roshis were like the coolest thing. And I walked into this shop and I'm talking, they had every colorway that you can imagine in Roshis. They were all fake, but they looked amazing. I was like, these are special colorways. So what I did is what every gypsy does, because my father's a gypsy. I bought 10 pairs of the things, all at $25 each. And I loaded up a whole new suitcase full of fake Nikes. I can promise you the ones I'm wearing aren't fake, but I did that. And what I did is I came back and I decided to give these out as gifts. And that was cool because for the most part, they were chill and it was just nice. Hey, here's a pair of Nikes, here's a pair of Nikes. that came in the box the whole lot, looked real cool. So I felt like Father Christmas in some ways. But the mistake I made is I gave a 16-year-old kid a pair of these Nikes on his birthday and I had no idea that he was about to go and wear them playing touch with his friends. And he goes out on the Sunday afternoon with these fake Nikes on and begins to run, and within about 10 minutes, the souls fell off completely. Like he's running around in glorified socks. It was literally the socks, and the souls had fallen apart. And I thought, what a picture of sometimes us as believers that the minute the pressure's applied, the soul falls apart. Can I say the real thing lasts? And when tough times come, you can see who's been digging in private because they stand in public. And the real thing costs, can I say a real prayer life costs you something? It costs discipline. A real relationship with Jesus means we read His Word and we soak His Word in. And you can't fake that. You either know who He is and you know His Word or you don't. Can I say a real relationship with Jesus costs something? But the time of testing is shown in hard times temptation seasons, seasons like we're about to approach. It's like, will I do the right thing? Will I live for Jesus? Will I be the real thing? Can I be real in this situation? Can I say the strength of your walk will be tested in this time? And those that have purchased the real thing, those that have Built on the rock, the Bible says. Built on the right foundation, which is Jesus. Not built on a gift, not built on a trait, not built on a community, but built their lives on Jesus. They'll stand through the storm. And I want to finish tonight with real rewards because there's a powerful passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which speaks about building on the foundation, but it's talking about the believer's judgment. And this sounds a little heavy, but I just want to explain for a minute. Do you realize that we'll all stand before God one day and give an account of our lives? That's scriptural, right? I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not. I'm not talking about whether you go to heaven or not. If you've been saved, set free, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Right, we are saved. But there is a believer's judgment. And the Bible says where our works and what we've done for Jesus, that we will give an account of that the giftings that you've been given, the knowledge that you've been given that God will now bring us to account. Say, what did you do with my son Jesus? How did you live out your life with the faith and the freedom that I gave you? How did you walk this thing out? That we will all stand before God. How many know that's a bit of a sobering thought? And in 1 Corinthians 3.10, it brings this thought out and it says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. This is Paul saying, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let every man take heed how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest or be seen for the day shall declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abides or remains... That which he has built upon thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through the fire. And what it's talking about is that for every one of our lives, we're all building something. We're all building on this foundation we call Jesus. That we are building a life. How many know that process of sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus? It's building a life that honours Him, that glorifies Him, that represents Him. That's called being real. And that we are all called to do that. And I thought it was really interesting in the text that says when Jesus comes to take account of our lives, He mentions some materials in there. In fact, He mentions six materials. He mentions gold, silver, and precious stones. Then He mentions hay, rubble. What was it? Hay Stubble and wood. Six different materials. Of course, we know that as stones and gold and silver go through the fire, they are not damaged, in fact. In fact, they become refined and even more beautiful. But we know that wood, hay, stubble, straw, in just a moment, is just burned up. But how many know wood, hay, stubble and straw You can grab anywhere. It's cheap. You can find that on the side of the road. These are cheap materials. And he's drawing a conclusion that gold, silver, precious stones, they cost something. How many know you have to dig for gold? You have to mine for gold. And in our Christian walk, can I say there are times when we need to go just a little bit deeper to forge some character in us that if we're going to last and be the real thing, we need to build something inside with real materials, the hard stuff, the good stuff, the gold, the precious stones, the silver. You have to dig for these things. Can I ask a question? What are you building with tonight? When you begin to look at the last seven days, the last seven months, the last seven years, is there something in your spirit that takes seriously the call to build on this foundation we've been given called Jesus? Is there something about our life that we take it seriously? Can I say it's so important when hard times come, what you've put in? Because this will carry you. Your character will carry you through these seasons. Your character will carry you through difficulties. It's your character that will walk you through trials. We see people, don't they? They go through hard times, And all of a sudden, they don't come to church anymore. They walk away from God. And what we're really seeing is we're seeing that there wasn't a depth or a foundation that was built upon. And us as a church shouldn't judge. In fact, we should run after those and say, come back and let me help walk you through this. But can I say for you personally, if you want to survive in those times, it's going to take some digging. It's going to take some character. And God loves to forge us, doesn't He? He loves to challenge and stir, sometimes rebuke. Sometimes shape and convict. Maybe tonight's a little bit of a wake-up call. And that's okay. It's the 5 p.m. and I'm preaching basically my best youth sermon. These were the sermons that got me through. Because I loved all the goodness of God. I loved all the love and the grace and the mercy. But I also need a little bit of the fear of God too. And those were the sermons that forged some conviction in my spirit that said, you know what, this is more than just a community. This is more than just hype. This is more than just emotion. I need some depth. I need something to carry me through hard times. And I'm not going to lie. These last two years have been hell on earth for me. But can I say there's been something in my spirit that's risen up and I'm so grateful for the deposits. That in the quiet times where I forged a relationship with God and I formed a real prayer life. And I learned to fast and I learned to pray and I learned to read. And when I had no strength left, it was His words that filled my mind. I can't go another day. Oh, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. I can't deal with this temptation. No temptation has overcome you. Scriptures just flooding my mind every time I began to wrestle. It was like the word. And can I say, when the devil, the devil knocks on your door, let the word of God answer. But how many know you've got to have something in there for that to happen? There's got to be a reservoir, a well. What are you putting into your spirit? What are you feeding on? Your spiritual health. Is there a daily walk with Thee, Lord? Is there a sensitivity, an openness, a humility, a desire? I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. Can we be real? Can we be the real thing? If the greatest form of atheism is Christians that walk out professing Jesus with their lips and then live a lifestyle so contrary, I want to completely switch that up. I want people to say, I've seen that guy. I've seen the way he lives. I've seen the way in the decisions he makes. I've seen him in the private place. I've seen him in the public. And he is everything that he says he is. I want to live like that. I want people to see my life and go, I want to be a Christian because of him. I want to be a Christian because he's unashamed. I want to be a Christian because she stands for God regardless. I want to be a Christian because I see her walk through things that I would normally fail at. But I see her walking through them with joy and peace. And I can only put it down to Jesus. Can we be the greatest form of Christianity, not atheism, by the way we live? Proverbs 23, 23, as I close, says, buy the truth and don't sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. It's talking about purchasing something in your spirit. Buy truth. It'll cost something, but can I say it'll carry you through? It'll cost you something, but it'll be your saving grace. It'll hurt for a minute. The discipline, the rebuke, the, the chastising, the, the discipline that the Lord brings. It's not comfortable in the moment, but can I tell you, in the season, its you'll thank God. It'll carry you through. And I want to finish on this, Psalms 85.10. says, this, it says, Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. I thought that's a really interesting scripture. Love and faithfulness meet together. In other words, they meet up. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. In other words, they make out. That's weird. But what I realized in what the text is saying is that when love is lived out, it genuinely produces faithfulness. If you love your wife, you're genuinely faithful to her right and that faithfulness I've been faithful will now produce more love when I love God I'm faithful to his house and when I'm faithful to his house I love what God's doing and it almost we meet together love and faithfulness meet together but then it says righteousness and peace kiss each other in other words there's an intimacy between righteousness and peace And we live in a world struggling with anxiety, struggling with people without peace, that don't know peace, that are constantly feeling the guilt and the shame and the issues of life just racking their brain. Can I say, if you wanna know how to get God's peace, it's purchased on the cross and it's purchased through righteousness. That when you live right, you can live assured that God has you, that God's forgiven you, that God's got you, that God will carry you. And now in my righteousness, it produces peace. You know how you're gonna have peace over this season? By making up your mind, I'm gonna live right. I'm gonna live real. I'm not just gonna wear the colors, like our good friend on the screen, I'm gonna be the real thing. I'm gonna stand when the pressure comes. I'm not gonna let my soul fall apart through temptation I'm going to be the real thing I'm not going to falter in this season I'm going to be the real thing I'm going to forget not what I look like in the mirror I'm not going to forget the words of God either I'm going to walk this thing out and when I walk this thing out my testimony is going to be a beacon of hope for those that are desperate on the outside that are searching that are looking that are desperate they would see my life say I want what they have why? because we're real I'm not talking about perfect I'm talking about real I'm talking about them knowing that you're giving it your best shot can I say when you give it your best shot God's got the rest you'll falter you'll fall you'll make mistakes there's a grace for that that's called sanctification there's a grace for falling you fall forward when you got God on side but can I say when you make every attempt to live right there's a peace The anxiety leaves, the guilt, the shame it goes because you're giving it your best. Can you say amen? Have we got a youth, have we got a church that wants to be real in this season? Come on, anyone here, you want to be real?